0: is it two monologues well we shall see welcome to episode 10 of intruder theater with the making podcast i'm your host remy rahuban thank you so much for coming back now this is the 10th episode uh well maybe 10th and a half because we've got the trailer so a little bit of a celebration today, um, also recording this episode at the window, so you might hear a little bit of a background noise from cars and traffic, uh, which actually means that there is still live going on, um, even... Um, well, although it's a lockdown to be quite honest. So hopefully it's not going to be that noisy, although it's Friday 9 p.m. Now when we go back in time and we think of what happened in in episode 9, titled that ending, I talked about uh, finishing, putting final touches to the solo piece and how I worked with the Polish director how I got involved in Lucia de la Memorre, directed by Katie Mitchell at the Royal Opera House, and how I redrafted the piece and um, uh, when I sent it to Peter Arnott, a Scottish playwright, uh, to read it. And then when Peter emailed me, he asked, is it two monologues? And I was thinking, is it two monologues? What does he mean by that? But I I thought, well, I know what he was getting at. When I was working with the uh, with the Polish director, we we performed um, the piece, which uh, which was going really really well. But both of us, we felt that I needed to write more um, about, uh, especially teaching in Scotland, and and I actually expanded certain sections of. The text, because both of us and I felt that I think it needed to be addressed. Uh, so then, when Peter emailed me back, I thought, "Well, does he mean that it's too much?" But I wasn't really sure because I thought, "Well, it didn't seem that way when we were working on the piece together with Kasia, the Polish director." But I couldn't be 100% certain. Uh, so I went back to the piece and it was August 2016. So I hadn't really looked at the play for about well five, six months. And I remember I sat down and I was uh, in Old Street in London at uh, at a coffee shop uh, called "Look Mum No Hands," it's uh, it's where I worked very often because I loved that place and they had, I think, for me, the best coffee in London. And I started reading it, and immediately when I maybe read three, four pages, I felt, "Wow, this is really interesting." But unnecessary and it felt very labored and I also remember thinking just Remy get on with it just get on with that story um, I always loved the piece and uh, it still makes me laugh but then I was feeling that you know what the story is not progressing is not moving forward There was a lot of detail in it, but I just need to move on with it. So then I agreed with Peter that the the extra bits, well, that I had been working on and I had been writing, that was too much. And me, I actually was feeling it, like it was just just overwritten. Um, But back in the day... At the beginning of 2016, I didn't feel it. Maybe I needed that time to look at the piece again. And the break helped me detach myself from the play uh, and then look at it afresh, which which, which always is a good thing. So then I felt, okay. I need to look at it again. But the good thing was that it wasn't the full play that was kind of overwritten it was just the very first 10 or 15 pages but just the idea of going back to the text again and revisiting it again and uh, redrafting it I was kind of dreading it I was thinking oh god I need to do it again but there was you know if I'm not going to do it nobody's going to do it for me so it was inevitable and um, and I remember that I I started going back and I looked at the previous versions of the of the of the play, and I started comparing it. Um, and gradually, step by step, I I was editing it. I was deleting. I I was pressing that delete button more more frequently than normal. Um, but I really wanted to make sure that the play had that structure of what it was before. Uh, but it wasn't just straight deleting it was just making sure that it all makes sense Uh, but the good thing was as I said it was only 10 or 15 pages and actually it didn't take me that long to mm, to kind of go through it Uh, as I was saying I I approached it maybe not particularly you know dreading it but (laughs) not really being very positive about it. But it didn't take me that long to work on that new draft that new draft of that new draft kind of thing and when i did it i knew that there was one more thing that i needed to work on because you might remember i was saying that you know the first half of the piece is uh, very non-linear where was non-linear but the second half was more linear uh so was pure storytelling and I always wanted to have that non-linear structure, but I really didn't know how to go about doing it. So I was actually quite pleased that I kind of pulled it back, that I re-edited the, the piece and it, it, it wasn't overwritten. It kind of was back where it was, you know, a year earlier, but I still knew that, well... I still need to work on the piece because, you know, it's very uneven. The structure was very uneven. And even George from the National Theatre of Scotland, he pinpointed that and I knew that I needed to work on that. But I didn't know how. I just didn't know what to do and uh, and uh, no idea. And, you know, in episode one of the podcast, um Uh, which is titled Influential Filmmakers I talked about um, going to see different films and theatre and um, galleries, going to galleries and just being stimulated and I always think it's very very important to see other pieces of work um, just to experience something different uh, seeing how other people do it how other people see certain things and uh, because you never know where it's going to take you whether it's going to be helpful for your creative process Mm, I don't know I've always been interested in other artists uh, because it always inspired me to, to work on something else or maybe apply something from what someone else did um, and maybe use it in my own work and that was in the case of as I was saying um, Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia and Christopher Nolan's Inception um, that I loved these films so much that I thought okay if I'm going to have a piece of writing or apply. I want to have that kind of nonlinear structure, but uh, well, I still needed to do something about the the ending. I mean, not to finish the ending, but to kind of change it so that it was very even uh, structure-wise, and. Back in November 2016, I went to see a film by directed by Tom Ford uh, titled Nocturnal Animals. And it was one of these usual cinema trips because I go to the cinema quite often, uh, once, you know, twice a week. Uh, I really didn't treat it as anything exceptional. I... I had watched another film by Tom Ford um, A single man and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I was very interested in what he was going to do next. Um, I knew that the film was about an author, but that was really it. I didn't know much about what it was about because I don't read reviews. I don't want to have any spoiler alerts. Uh So I just went to see it, I think it was a Friday after one of these interpreting jobs that I had in Kensington, I remember. And when I was watching it, I think halfway through the film, I realised, oh my God, my solo piece needs to have the same structure like it is in that film. Because it became very clear, well, as far as I remember, that in Nocturnal Animals there are 2 substories that meet at some point towards the end of the film. And I thought, this is it. That's, that's what I need in my solo piece. And then I immediately went home and I started redrafting my solo piece. And thinking about, okay, where am I going to put this bit, that bit, that event, this sub story? And all of a sudden, everything started to make sense because, um, I wasn't dreading, uh, redrafting it anymore. I think because of the fact that I knew that I finally, all of a sudden, I know what the structure of the solo piece is going to be. Um, So that that gave me a lot of encouragement and incentive to, to work on it, because it was some kind of a moment where I thought, oh my god, I found the solution. I think that's what it is. And my intuition was telling me that that was that structure that I needed. Also, the other thing was that I was quite happy that, you know, I had re-edited because because I didn't have as much text now as I had back in August. So I was really pleased that I had already redrafted it because it kind of was overlapping. At the very beginning, I put an event. Uh, that's what I remember that Zinni Harris was telling us when i was doing that playwriting workshop at the Travers theater back in i think 2011 that it's always good to maybe start a play with an event and an aftermath of an event but also the other thing was that um you know like sometimes in films you have uh, a scene at the beginning of the film you have a scene from the middle of the film Uh, which I actually don't see much at the moment, but I love that idea that there was some kind of element at the very beginning and then we see it later on in the film. So I changed it in this way as well. And all of a sudden, I felt this is it. That's the structure. And I remember I um, titled that um, that version of my solo piece, uh, The Visitor, because that was the title of the solo piece then, the intuitive version, because intuitively I felt that's what it should be. Uh, although I wasn't sure, but I think maybe I was feeling that whenever I had that gut feeling, I should go with it. I always believed in my gut feeling, but not much as far as the writing was concerned. That was the very first time that I thought, I think this is it. And I think with time I developed uh, my... Well, my gut feeling developed more. Even recently when I uh, was working on on something, again, I believed in my intuition and feeling that I think that's the way it should... Yeah, that's the direction it should go. So coming back, um, I saved that draft as the intuitive version, hoping that, well, that's the 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 version the the right version and as always with any um version any new redraft i sent it i emailed it and i actually checked my emails and um i worked on that intuitive version very fast because um i saw that film a uh, at the beginning of november and I had already emailed it to uh, George Selinger, to Peter Arnold, and someone else um, mid-November. So it took me about a week uh, to work on it, which was quite an achievement. So I must have been quite motivated and driven um, to, to come up with that version which is very interesting. It's very interesting when you go through all the emails and find out things that you don't remember. I sent it to George. But what happened with George as a Selinger, uh, my actually a character in my podcast, because I talk about George uh, so often, I feel like he's uh, one of my main characters in it. When I emailed George, he emailed me back saying that he was... Leaving the National Theatre of Scotland and although he appreciated the fact that I sent him uh, the two versions he wouldn't be able to actually read them and that was actually the end of that story with George uh, because he um, I never ever then sent him any more versions Uh, I still keep in touch with him but that was the end of his help as far as my solo piece is concerned and when i reflect george uh, played a key role in my uh, well in helping me with my with my play uh, his encouragement his support uh, well because of them i I managed to complete my solo piece and I am eternally grateful to him. And I always have been, but even now when I have been working on my podcast, I realized how important he has been in my whole process. And I'm very grateful to him and when he and hopefully he listens and when he listens uh, and I will email him as well. I really would like to thank him for uh, his help, so thank you George. So George is already out of the loop, he's not going to help me uh, with my solo piece. The next person I emailed was Peter Arnott, as always, Uh, but I knew that with Peter, Uh, He had been very busy in 2016. So although he was telling me to um, send him the latest drafts, he always told me, Remy, I'm busy with uh, my new projects. And I think that year he was publishing a book and had a new play uh, put on. So he was always telling me that, you know what, Uh, I will have a scan read, but feel free to send it to someone else. Maybe uh, they will have a different point of view because I may have a look at it, but, um, but, you know, I'm involved in other projects. Uh, so, because of that, I I kind of felt okay. I I have kind of you know, I can I can send it to to someone else to have a look at the the play. The third person that I uh, that I sent it to was Linda McLean. Linda uh, McLean is a Scottish playwright who I met when I was at the Royal Conservatory of Scotland. She was part. of of my macct course Um, and uh, you might remember when i talked about studying at the conservatoire we had uh, i think i did mention it we had three playwrights that worked with us and that was david Harrower, douglas maxwell and linda mclean and I never worked with Linda uh, on our final pieces because the playwrights were commissioned to write three pieces for three groups. I was never in Linda's group. I was in David Harrower's group. But of course, we knew each other and we as um, as students we were asked to read uh, the plays and i always loved um, linda's um, writing and the plays her plays stranger babies and riddance and one good beating and shimmer because she linda plays with structure and i always loved it Uh, and maybe that's why I thought of her that maybe I could email her and I thought maybe she would be the right person uh, to maybe give me some feedback and I also knew her so we've been Emailing, we've been in touch uh, since I graduated, and and you know she's been always very kind, and she's very warm and kind, and with an amazing sense of humor. Um, so it also goes back to what I was saying, and I think one of my previous episodes that it's always good to be in touch with people because it's uh, you always can come back to them and ask them for help, like I did. Uh, and I was also um, advised to contact her by Amanda Gochen. Uh, you might remember Amanda from also my previous episodes. She studied with me um, also on my MACCT course. She was doing directing and I was doing acting. And uh, Amanda was helping me with my research and development on my solo piece uh, when I got funding from Creative Scotland, and that was back in 2012. So Amanda was also um, suggesting Remy maybe get in touch with Linda um, because, you know, she writes plays that have a different structure, so maybe she um, she could help you with that. And I thought, okay, it would be great to... Um, to contact Linda and I um, initially um, emailed Linda back in July of uh, 2016 just to have this kind of a, you know, initial conversation whether Linda, if Linda could actually help me and could read my play. Um, and Linda of course emailed to me immediately and, and said Remy yes I would be very willing to read your play but not at the moment I really need more time because I'm I'm very busy i'm working on my own plays maybe towards the end of the year and i'm glad i did because actually if i had emailed her my older versions in july of 2016 it would have been the same because i came up with that intuitive version at the end of 2016. so the the timing was perfect and I, in hindsight, I think that, you know, we may want something, but actually the universe has a different plan for us. And, you know, according to the universe, that time is right, not what we think is correct. And that was the case. So I had actually two people. I emailed the two versions, the old version and the intuitive version to Peter Arnott and to Linda. And that was it. And then in January 2017, I I was sending gentle reminders to Peter and to Linda, asking them whether they read my versions. Peter came back to me and said, Remy, I've been very, very busy with my work, so I have not had time. I will uh, give it a scan read uh, when I have time. But um, Peter was always encouraging me and saying to me, but don't feel disheartened. Uh, even if the you know if that version, the new version is not working, stay assured that uh, you can always go back to to that linear way of storytelling. And I always felt, you know, that's great. That's always something that I can fall back on. But intuitively, I knew that, you know what, it, it needs to be that nonlinear way of storytelling that, um, that I hope it works because I think that's the way it should be. I just felt that that was the right way of, of telling that story. And finally, uh, Linda emailed me. But what it was and whether she liked it and whether I needed to redraft my solo piece again, uh, that's going to be in episode 11 of Intruder Theatre with the Making podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Stay well, stay safe, and I speak to you next time. Bye for now.